Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. In much less detail, the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts, Jay and Dre. You got it. Welcome in live in much less detail. Here with you on a Tuesday night, September the 19th, 2017. I'm Dre. He's Jay. And oh, what a week number two that I managed to turn in this week. I, I have no explanation on how, to, how I did it. I, I can't I did anything different than I normally do, but the fact is I turned in a 14-2 and two against the spread here in week two. Yo, my man down in Atlanta, Naj, hey, you called in a, a couple weeks ago trying to get your picks, trying to make your money. I hope you made some money on 14 winners that I just gave you this past week. 14 winners. There's got to be some money in there somewhere. I even gave you a couple of parlays if you listen close enough. I told you that I couldn't take those two teams with terrible injuries at their tackle positions, and they both indeed went down in flames. I told you I couldn't pass up taking both teams that had a week one bye because they're all ready. They're all jacked up. They had all the energy, and the Dolphins maybe shouldn't have won, maybe didn't deserve to win, but the fact is they did hold on and win, and, of course, the Buccaneers won as well. So I I had it all for you that I gave it to you. Even some overreaction theater on Monday night, and I managed to even – get that with uh, Jason I'm flabbergasted I'm going to try not to brag about it all show but uh, as many people have said before me it's hard to be humble when you're just so great yeah well the number one thing I want to know is exactly what did you uh, profit off of that 14 and two week I made a grand total of zero dollars off of that 14 and two week (laughs) well okay well, no, but, you know, you got a nice lead over me um, for the year for, for whatever that counts for. So uh, we haven't nobody. Nobody's won anything in week two. And I think that's sort of the, the theme across the league. Two things really stood out to me this week. Uh, your your good week. Great week. Uh, any 14 and two, whether, you know. It, yeah, I mean, do you, you don't feel good about week two. So the fact that you were able to turn in this kind of, a, of an effort in week two is, is we'll find out if it's an anomaly or if you'll be able to build off of this. And I think that ties in to one of the two things that I really noticed from week two, which was week two rendered everything that happened in week one virtually meaningless. And I really <laughs> do think if there's anything that I can take away from week one now, now that we've had the dust settle from week two, it's that week one really was week five of the preseason. Everybody reverted almost completely back to where we expected them to be before the season started. So you saw, you know, the the, the teams that we thought were going to be good, they got good. And the teams that we thought were going to be really bad, got really bad and that that's the number one thing that I took away is that from from now on I really think that uh, especially for myself I need to pay a lot less attention to week one 
the success or the lack of success or anything that you have now because of the little impact of the preseason that these teams put in. You know, there's so little training time, so little of the number ones all working together. I really don't think that we're going to put be able to put a whole lot of stock in week one anymore because teams that came out and looked really good suddenly came out and looked like shit. And the teams that we thought were going to be good but really didn't perform in week one, well, they really lit it up in week two. So here we are. You had a great week. Uh, that's good for you. I mean, 14 and two, how do you, how do you beat that? Makes me, I mean, although my, I guess that makes me seven and nine makes my, I, I seriously thought my seven and nine was going to, without looking at it, I felt like I had a three and 13 week. <laughs> right. So it was week one but, all over again. Yeah, anyone would feel standing next to a 14 and two would feel like they were way inferior, but yeah, yeah. you were one game under 500 for the week. That's not bad at all. Yeah. And the uh, the week two games under five hundred two games yeah but still that's you can, you can live with that so if you're gonna blow me out the way you did and I'm still gonna be pulling out a, a seven and nine even in some, my worst week I'll take it. it that 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 actually leaves me with a little bit of enthusiasm uh, but the second thing I had to take away was just like I said in week one oh it, it painful just painful to watch so many of these games. And seeing so much either lopsidedness or lack of effort for teams that, that, that look really, we had some really horrendous games and very few compelling games. Again, maybe it's just the schedules, not, you know, not panning up where you had a lot of, uh, a lot of kind of like good team, bad team thing going on here. But oh, once again, the complete lack of compelling play um, or the games that we thought were going to be compelling games turned out to be ridiculous blowouts. So, I, again, don't know exactly what to make of it anymore. Week one, though, I'm not going to pay any more attention to. I, I, am, I think that my picks would have been a lot better if I just stuck with what I thought of these teams before the season started instead of buying into absolutely anything that happened from week one. That cost me several wins. And number two, it was really boring as shit again. <laughs> uh, the teams that came out 0-1 in week one that we thought had a chance to be decent this year and, and bounce back would obviously, of course, be the Patriots at the top of that list. Uh, the, the Redskins, I don't know how great we thought they were going to be, but they did rebound from a really bad performance uh, in week one. Um, and the Titans uh, had a tough Tests week one with Oakland came back and, and trounced Jacksonville. But there's a couple of on the flip sides of those. There were a couple of teams that sort of continued their slide from week one that we think have a chance to be pretty decent. Uh, top of the list for me would be I thought the uh, the Giants, we both think the Giants will win the NFC East uh, ultimately, but I thought I really overreacted. I didn't really think about it until after uh, the show when I made my pick for the, the Detroit Lions to go into New York, not just win the game, but I locked it up. That was my lock of the week. And that was classic overreaction theater. I was overreacting to the Lions looking surprisingly competent on offense in their season opening win over Arizona. And I was reacting to the Giants looking surprisingly incompetent without Odell Beckham when they lost on Sunday night to the Dallas Cowboys. And, to go, I thought about it after the show. I said, I went from 
Giants NFC East champions and beating the Cowboys in Dallas on opening night all the way around to a team in the Lions that I don't have making the playoffs going into New York on their home opener on Monday night and locking it in that they're going to beat them and knock them off. That is absolute classic overreaction theater. And it worked. I happened to get away with it because the Lions outplayed the Giants. Uh, it was funny. Even shut down corner guy cited overreacting to week one. He Maybe he's a listener. Maybe he's one of our three listeners. If you are, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Uh, he cited in taking, he had an 11 and five week, which is pretty damn good. 14 and two, not quite that good, but 11 and five is pretty good. He took the, the Giants to rebound and and beat the and beat the Lions. That was one of his five losses. And he cited not wanting to overreact to what he saw out of the Giants in week one and going ahead and taking them to beat the Lions in week two, which is what you did as well. And in theory, I think you both were correct, and I think I overreacted. It just happened to work in my favor uh, because the Giants and, – and it's not just the Giants are struggling on offense – uh, that's why they went 0-2. It's it's deeper than that. They've got the, the coach, Ben McAdoo, calling out his quarterback, Eli Manning, which you never see, and specifically naming him uh, holding the ball – or not holding the ball too long, but uh, not running the, uh, the offense quick enough on a fourth down near the goal line when they were trying to uh, make, a, make a comeback late in the game. Uh, they wound up – getting pushed back five yards because they, uh, because the play clock ran out. It was a delay of game. Uh, and at that point it was 17 to uh, 17 to seven lions. And the giants are right there in the third quarter, ready to go into the end zone and make it a one possession game, make it a three point game. But because of the delay of game, they couldn't go for it on fourth down. They had to kick the field goal. And it kind of felt like the, the sales went out at that point and the Lions turn around uh, and get a punt return to make it 24 to 10 and put the game away. But you got a, you got a lot of problems in New York that, that go deeper than the offense is out of sync. It goes goes deeper than Odell Beckham is hurt and not playing 100%. And, I, and I'll give him credit for gutting it out. And, and he gave it what he had, which wasn't enough, and it wasn't that much. It, I remember one play, he had a 16-yard slant and just was not going to run away from anybody. That It was obvious once he made that catch that he was about to – he was going to get run down and tackled because he wasn't sprinting away from anybody. And, of course, the old Odell Beckham very likely would have taken that upfield and, and might still be running right now. Uh, but there's some, there's some serious issues there. When your coach, who's supposed to be this offensive genius, is calling out your veteran two-time Super Bowl-winning quarterback by name in the post-game press conference, uh, there's there's a, a sort of a culture war going on in that locker room right now. It's kind of fascinating to watch. I don't know who exactly is going to wind up on top of it because Eli isn't the type to – I don't think he's going to throw his weight around – and sort of tell Ben McAdoo to, to, to shove it and put him in his place because that's not his personality. But he's got the gravity to do that if he wanted to. He's got the, the, the cachet. But uh, there's, there's something more going on there than, than meets the eye. And they might not be, uh, they might not be a, a play in the next few weeks going forward because they, they got to get their, their locker room. They got to get their shit together right now. Yeah, well, the thing that I'm starting to see, and you see this a lot, and we talk about it, but sometimes you don't always notice it after week one. 
But then week two comes along and you start to see some trends and you start to see some things that you don't like. And what I'm specifically looking at right now are teams that just, whether it's by choice or by talent, cannot run the football. And the New York Giants, do you know where they rank in the NFL rushing the football? I'm going to guess close to last. DFL. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Dead fucking last. In fact, if you take the bottom three teams in the league with their rushing, the Giants, the Chargers, and the Cardinals, and you contrast that with the three teams that are the best in the league at rushing, the Broncos, the Chiefs, and the Ravens, you know what you see on the top side? 6-0. and And you know what you see on the bottom side? 1-5. and And the Arizona Cardinals probably don't deserve that one <laughs> for, for, that, for that absolute dog shit game and performance, basically having to take Jake Brisket and the Colts to overtime to get the W. So it, 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 you go up and down. The, do oh God. Yeah. You go up and down the list teams that can't protect the quarterback and run the football are not faring very well so far. And I, I know that this might have a little bit to do with the unsexiness that we're seeing in the league is that everybody wants to see apparently quarterbacks in the shotgun the whole game long and these, these massive scores, but teams are adjusting to running the ball. The teams who have the good old line play and the teams that it's not necessarily also about just running the ball for the sake of running the ball, it's also the teams that have balance are faring very well. You know, and you look, you know, Broncos, Chiefs, Ravens, the Redskins are an outlier there. And then the Raiders, the Titans, you know, you're starting to see a common theme that these teams that have offensive balance are looking the best right now. And the Giants, they just, they don't have that. And, you know, and when they put, Eli Manning, Eli Manning is back into into all shucks phase again, and everything is just you know derp faced all the time with him. <laughs> you and you know I don't know. Yeah, I'm not going to you know dance on the career of Eli Manning, but we were having discussions about him needing a change of scenery back before Eldell Beckham came to town, and I am not of the opinion because everything that you see on the TV with the NFL Network and ESPN. Is all Ben McAdoo can't call him out. He's won two Super Bowls, Eli Manning has. I'm like, you know, that's great and all. Eli Manning is not that great of a quarterback. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. He, you know, I, I wouldn't vote for him if I had a vote. I don't think he's all that good. And right now, with a suspect O-line, a terrible running game, and no Odell Beckham in the first game and who knows how much we were getting out of him in the second. Yeah. There's a lot of trouble for the giants. The defense can't do everything. No. And going with your uh, theory about teams that aren't running the ball being unsuccessful, which is sort of the history of football, at least the modern history of football. Of course, if you can't run the ball, you're not going to be able to do much on, on offense. Normally you, you're not going to be able to do much on offense. Uh, Going hand-in-hand hand with that, complementing that, is if you have terrible offensive line play right now, you're getting your ass kicked. Your running back's probably getting his ass kicked. Your quarterback's definitely getting his ass kicked, and you're not having that much success. Uh, and, I'm, of course, I'm looking at the Green Bay Packers and the Seattle Seahawks, and there's two teams that 
buck the trend of teams that played not so well in week one that we think are going to have success. And they did not come back in week two and have much success. And it's primarily because of the offensive line play, getting their quarterbacks bashed around and not allowing their running backs to have any room. Uh, the Seahawks, I tell you, that was, I called it a Jason special on the, on the last show where they struggle early in the season and get these big point spreads against dog shit teams and wind up not covering. And that's exactly what happened. It's very much a mirror image of what happened in week two last year against the 49ers when they won 12 to 10, they win this one this, this year, 12 to nine. Uh, and probably for the same reasons, I'm not going to remember what happened in week two of last year, but I'm guessing probably a lot of the same stuff of, of Russell Wilson doesn't have time to, to run his offense or do much of anything because he has no blocking whatsoever. He has no protection uh, and, and Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, same thing on Sunday night. All that, all those stats that they racked up, of course, were in garbage time after the game was well decided. But if you're not blocking and protecting your guys right now, you have no chance in this, in this NFL with so many fast, ultra fast and strong athletes running all around on everyone's defense uh, you got to protect your guys or else you have no chance to do anything right now. Yeah, there's definitely a uh, a black hole of offensive line play <laughs> going around in the NFL. And you see you see this <clears throat> this cyclical pattern, you know, of of react and you know, action reaction in the NFL. So don't be surprised if you start to see this this more premium being placed in the draft, even though it's not sexy, you're going to start to, I think you're going to start to see a lot of O line uh, coming up really early in a lot of drafts over the next couple of years, because you've got some teams that are going to get their quarterbacks just killed. Yeah. I wonder if the, the offensive line prospects are that much worse nowadays, because we used to see that the, yeah. the two, three, four offensive linemen, two or three, four tackles, going in the first round of, of drafts, high in the first round sometimes, very high, uh, culminating maybe a few years ago with uh, uh, those two offensive linemen that got drafted 1-2. I, I do remember that draft happening, even though I think uh, at least one of those guys like completely washed out, didn't amount to anything. Uh, and we're not seeing that nowadays. Those, those offensive linemen are not getting drafted nearly as high. And I don't know if it's because they don't want to put that high of a resource on a player that's not a skilled player, or if it's just the prospects aren't as good coming out of college right now as they have been in the past. Yeah. Well, it, it, to shift gears here a little bit, a couple things that I get to feel good about, even though in a week that's all about you, there's two things that I get to claim that I can feel good about. Number one is that you had a 14 and two week and still didn't pick up the lock on me. So that's a good one. That's a win. So for all of that, um, I was at least able to pick out one of my locks and I still do get to claim that my Super Bowl teams so far are looking way better than your Super Bowl teams. This is true. I, I can't deny that at all. So any any other games jump out? You you were the fourteen and two one here this week, so you you clearly have a better handle on things than I do. So what else stood out to you? Uh, there's so many different directions to try to go. Uh, there's a couple of other uh, 
things that happen when you don't know how to, to block for your guys and you don't give your quarterbacks any time to do anything is you produce uh, my, one of my favorite stats. You produce a lot of yards per average for your uh, quarterbacks that are like grade point averages. And that's not good. You don't want your yards per attempt average to look like somebody's grade point average. Uh, Brian Hoyer this week uh, in that, Seattle San Francisco game the the Niners quarterback but if you're if you're wondering how the Seahawks could play that terribly and still win the game it's because the 49ers can't protect their quarterback either and Brian Hoyer under the the tutelage of the genius Kyle Shanahan winds up with a 3.7 yards per attempt this week in, in that game you're not beating anybody putting up 3.7 yards per pass attempt. If you can imagine a game in which your quarterback attempts however many passes and on average you gain 3.7 yards on those passes, you would think the quarterback is playing with a deflated football. And I don't mean a Tom Brady deflated football, like slightly preposterously small deflations. I'm talking about completely deflated because that's how you put up 3.7 yards per average. Uh, and, and it's not just linemen play in their case in the 49ers case it's a a lack of skill players and a lack of skill at your quarterback position as well but offensive line play to me is jumping out on a lot of these guys and really making it stand out when you watch the highlights of these games you see these uh quarterbacks having to run for their lives because it seems like almost the moment they snap the ball here comes people around the corner trying to kill them uh so the, the niners have that problem uh case keenum oi Oh, Case Keenum. There's another one for you to feel good about that you changed your uh, Minnesota pick yeah. on Twitter and took the uh, the Steelers once you found out Sam Bradford wasn't playing. How about that confidence and love for Sam Bradford that we have made it to this point in our lives that Sam Bradford is declared inactive and we have to change our pick away from Sam from Sam Bradford's team? Like, oh my God, Sam Bradford's not playing. Well, that's that's it. I can't take that team. That's the end of that. Who would have thought that a couple of years ago? Huh? How about it? Well, but again, he only played in week one. So what did we really see? And he did it against the Saints. And I think Tom Brady and the Patriots proved that you can pretty much do anything you want to to the Saints. The Saints just, they just love to give it up. So (laughs) good job, Saints, you know. So what did what did we truly see from Sam Bradford? Was is is that the reality? Because Tom Brady, boy, he bounced back in a huge way. But I think everybody is going to bounce back in a huge way against the New uh, the New Orleans Saints. They were they're deep, there's no defense. There were guys now they, they weren't cover zero bad, but Tom Brady was letting the ball go and the separation that five to seven yard buffer zone behind them that the Saints DBs just seem to be very comfortable giving up, uh, that's not going to win you a lot of games. Uh, they're just hoping right, the guys was, are going to drop the ball. Is that their defense now? That was typical. That's why I was so surprised you picked New Orleans. No, that's the typical Saints defense we've been seeing over the years. It's not cover zero, don't cover anybody bad. It's look woefully out of position on every single play bad. Yeah. It's just they, they're in the wrong – they seem to be in the wrong spot every single time not in a position to make a play on whoever catches the ball. Terrible. No, I, what I, I expected that to be uh, more of a shootout than it ended up being. And Drew Brees, 
He still ended up getting his. He got a whole lot of garbage time yardage, and they did get a little yeah. bit of uh, you know some garbage time points there at the end. But overall, the Saints just looked completely outmatched, just like they did in Week One, just just like they did against the uh, the Vikings. Yeah, uh, yeah. Completing my point on Case Keenum the, with the grade point average yards for attempt. At least he's taking some AP classes, and at least he's got it above four. He's at four point five yards for attempt yeah. in that Vikings game uh, against the Steelers. So good on him for that. But still winds up being another uh, uh, Steelers victory and cover uh, another blowout. One of the uh, nine blowouts this weekend. Only six of the fifteen weekend games finish. Uh, within one possession where the, the seven points or less nine of the 15 finish with, with spreads bigger than that uh, at the end of the game. So yeah, to your point that you were saying earlier, just not good football, not compelling football, a lot of blowouts, a lot of teams just not showing up. A lot of teams quit sort of quitting towards the end. I thought the Cowboys sort of quit uh, once the Broncos were physically over, over matching them and mauling them and kicking their ass. I thought, uh, the, the the Giants quit after they went down twenty four to ten uh, against Detroit and, and quit is it's a harsh word but it's also I, I don't want to say understandable but if it's week two it's not like the season's on the line uh, yes yeah. there's some urgency uh, especially if you started zero and one but it's still only week two uh, I can see guys sort of saying, okay, we're not going to try to bust our ass to come back here. We're down two or three scores. Uh, let's back it off a little bit and, and lick our wounds a little bit and, and come back and get them another time. I thought the Packers had a little bit of that as well uh, on Sunday night. They they kept getting their, their garbage time stats. They kept getting in the end zone after the result had long been decided, but it really wasn't something that you thought the, the Packers were really going to come back and, and beat the Falcons. Although I'll say – that stadium kind of felt a little nervous as the uh, comeback continued to quote unquote comeback by the Packers. I kind of, my heart kind of went out to all those Falcons fans because I could tell through the TV screen that they were getting a little like, all right, Falcons, let's hold this lead. Let's, let's try not to blow this big lead. And my, my heart was stressing for them, man. I really was, I was like, please don't, please don't let this get within one score because the, the, this shit's just going to completely hit the fan if it does. And, and thankfully, they were able to hold on to the win. Yeah, and they looked like a totally different team at home, which was one of the few, which was one of the calls that I was able to get right. I mean, you could, they looked fast. That 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 they they I mean they were opening up the new stadium that's great and they they had all of the you know the enthusiasm and, and the and the motivation from that but you could just see on the field what you were watching that they were outclassing the Packers and that that's about what we expected so there wasn't a lot shocking from that game other than the fact that Green Bay just continues to mount injury upon injury. And if they, I mean, they, they are going to run the risk um, of really having to struggle to make the playoffs. And I do have them in as a wild card this year, but if they can't keep their players healthy and on the field, I mean, you know, how long is it before their quarterback gets blowed up and he was taking mm -hmm. some hits um, in that game against Atlanta, they were getting after him 
That's not the most vaunted pass rush in the league. He is going to play the Vikings twice, and he's going to play some stiffer competition um, that's going to get in his face. And, yeah, the running for his life bit. The Once again, I, I believe I had this with Ty Montgomery, not an NFL running back. He He's getting some yards, but he's doing it at about a 2.8, 2.9 per attempt clip. That's just not going to get it done. Uh so not not a lot to take away from that game. It played out almost exactly uh, like I expected. I checked out of that one at thirty four seven. I saw they you know Packers got a couple scores in the fourth quarter, but I mean I'm glad I didn't watch the fourth quarter because I probably would have had those same feelings after you know I think yeah, I think Falcons yeah. fans Falcons fans have sort of earned that right to feel that way. I think we've been given a good reason. Yes, you have. <laughs> so. No doubt. Yeah. I'm a little less harsh on Ty Montgomery than you are because I still like how hard he hits the hole when he find, when he has a hold a few times he has a hole. And I guess I'm I'm looking okay. at who Fair what enough. running back would do well behind this line right now. I I don't know if there's any running back in the league that would be averaging much more than 2.8 behind this line the way it's blocking right now. Yeah, and I don't want I undersold a little bit on Ty Montgomery. He's up to 3.1 yards per attempt. Ooh. Give the man his due. Come on. Um, yeah, that was uh, when you talk Good about job, how, how fast the Falcons look on that turf when they get away from that absolute dog shit on Soldier Field that they were playing on in week one, and they get down to their new stadium, and second play of the game, Matt Ryan to Julio Jones for 19 yards. Fourth play of the game, Matt Ryan play action to Julio Jones for 33 yards. And it was on. It, was, it just kept going from there. The running attack, of course, is always on point for them. Uh, and it really helps that the Green Bay Packers defense is not ready for primetime. The game was on primetime, but the defense was not there. And uh, whether it's so there's some injuries on the defensive side or whether it's just bad defense, just bad personnel, uh, one way or another, the Packers defense seems like it's going to be once again this year another big problem for them. They, I don't know what's, what it's going to take, but they immediately have to shore up their the back end of their defense and their offensive tackle situation. I, I understand those guys were injured, and there's nothing you can do about that. But even when they're healthy, that line has trouble protecting Aaron Rodgers, and they need to do something pronto about that. I don't know if there's anything they can do with, now that the season has started, but those are glaring holes on the Packers that they need to shore up. Yeah, and it's not going to get any better. There's no help in sight. I mean, other than no. the – not on the defensive back front. It's, they're not hurt back there. They're bad. Is bad. That, that's what I mean by there's being no help. Now, they can get their tackles back. And they can get back Tiari back, and they can get Bulaga back. And, you know, maybe that starts to shore things up a little bit. Maybe Aaron Rodgers isn't, you know, scrambling for his life, and Ty Montgomery isn't averaging three yards per attempt. But that helps them offensively. Their defense is going to be their big Achilles heel all year long. I mean, this is the same team that gave up 48 points in the NFC Championship game. It's not getting any better. You know, the, 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 you know Charles Woodson and, and Leroy Butler, <laughs> you know, these, <laughs> these guys aren't coming through the door. They're going to have to do it with these young rookies and these guys who are all coming back from injury, and they're going to have to slap this thing together. 
And what it's going to probably take for them to go on a long, sustained winning streak is, again, going to have to be Aaron Rodgers plopping the team onto his shoulders and carrying them through victory. That's going to be all it's going to take. Yeah, so the uh, New England rebound over New Orleans, my goodness, how impressive was that? The Patriots come back and do what they do. I mean, it wasn't like they just kind of came out and decided to play well. They eviscerated, they excoriated the New Orleans Saints from the open. Uh, Tom Brady, uh, let me get this statistic correct here, uh, beats Brett Favre's record for most yards passing by a 40-year-old in the history of the NFL goes for 447 yards. Tom Brady refusing to age, uh, but as we kind of already alluded to, it's kind of easy to do that when you're facing the New Orleans Saints defense. Yeah, so again, I don't think we can take anything that anybody does against the Saints this year as 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 worthy of anything. I mean, say we, we, we joked about Sam Bradford lighting them up and playing the guess, best game of his career. And yeah, it was probably stupid of me to, to pick the, the saints to cover the number, but I was also looking at a Patriots defense that was highly depleted. and still statistically did not have a great game. I mean, Drew Brees still put up a ton of yardage. The, the saints were moving the football. So I don't think that the problems for the Patriots on the defensive side of the ball are necessarily going to go away. I think their offense helped to hide their defense in this game because the Saints defense is just so hideously awful that they were just running up the score and that it allowed the Patriots to play from ahead for the entire game. When the Patriots are going to play against a team that's going to you know, stiffen up on defense some, it's going to put that Patriots defense in a, in a bad position like we saw against a, uh, I'd have to say, a superior opponent at this point in the Kansas City Chiefs. And how much more can we say right now about the AFC West? Those three teams at the top, the, the Chiefs, the Broncos, and the Raiders, just wow. That, that, that's the best division in football right now. It's about all you can say is wow, that's for sure. Uh, area code 646 is on the air. You're on in much less detail. Please state your name, what, uh, where you're from, and what's on your mind tonight. Hey, guys, this is Bryce calling from Brooklyn. Um, wanted to talk about my Pittsburgh Steelers so far this season. World's biggest Steelers fan in the house. Bryce is chiming <laughs> in on the Steelers. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, I am. Real quick comment. I agree. I do believe the AFC West um, is the best division in football. Um, Yeah, so I definitely agree with that. I got three teams from that division making the playoffs this year. Um, Well, possibly. Um, The AFC North could have, you know, the Steelers definitely, and maybe the Ravens. Um, I thought they'd be a little worse. But they continue to play tough defense. It's in the culture and turn the football and, and get turnovers. And if they can do that, put their offense in good situations, they're going to beat a lot of teams. But that's just to the side. Um, yep. In terms of my Pittsburgh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, in terms of my Pittsburgh Steelers, I like that we're two and zero, doing some good things. I think there's still, I think as the saying goes, a lot of meat on those bones to do better. Um, I like, I like what I like what we're doing in terms of 
you know, the defense and the front seven, I think we're playing extremely hard. We're still playing too undisciplined and getting too many penalties. Um, I still think the communication in the secondary could be better, but I like the overall talent picking up Joe Hayden. If that guy is healthy, he really brings a dimension in terms of the versatility they can, things they can do on defense. And you're actually seeing it. I mean, they're able to, to rush three, rush four, bring the blitz, play press man behind it, press bail. They're still playing some zone. They become a much more multiple defense, which I like. Still not, not turning the other team over enough. Those are going to have to come, and we're going to have to see that. I think they need to play the corners in a little bit more press man and take some chances. So we'll see offensively. Um, just, you know, Todd Haley can be hit or miss sometime, I think. I think the offensive line, you know, hasn't been dominant like I thought they would coming out. But you saw against the Vikings a very good defense. Gives them a lot of credit. But I felt we were tough off in the offensive line, and we kept running it, didn't average a lot of carries, but got the yards we needed. And the run game started to open up towards the end. I need to see more from the number two receivers, particularly Haley calling more routes for them, not being predictable in the passing game. But I think Pittsburgh needs to get better on offense. I believe they will, particularly on third down. they got to stay out of third and longs. Too many penalties, but I think the arrow's pointing up. 2-0 and is looking good. I think we're going to move to 3-0 and against the, the, the Bears this week. Not That's oh, not a bold Bears. prediction. That's, <laughs> not, that's, that's, not, that's not really going out on a limb there. Well, yeah, well, now, I wasn't trying to just make a statement. <laughs> now, you saw, of course, they did not uh, get every single yard that they could against the Vikings, but as you said, that's a tough defense. But you had to, of course, be encouraged by Martavis Bryant once again sort of emerging as the uh, the Antonio Brown compliment that they need. I am. I just want him, I just want him to run all the route tree. I just don't want go routes. Um, sure. Go routes do not a solid number two receiver make. You know, I want to see his. I want to see. You know what? You know what I want to see with Martavis. I want to see a more well-rounded game. I want to see him be very physical in the run game. I want to see him blocking on the edge. I'd love to see him playing in the slot with his size and being able to, you know, get in the way of an outside linebacker, get up on a safety. You know, I want to see a little more than that. Juju Schuster Smith is a guy physical compared to Heinz Ward that does that already. He's a rookie. I want to see Martavis do that. I want to see routes over the middle, more slant routes like on the touchdown drags. I want him to catch it 10 and go 30. I want to see the evolution of a of an uh, you know dynamic number two receiver push it to a one. But I like what I saw on 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 Sunday. I need to see more. Now, I hear you. Price in Brooklyn has spoken. Steelers tighten it up. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Bryce. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah you know, I, for I, me, the, I mean, the, the thing to I'm, start getting him passionate oh, there, but you know, it's it's, it's, well, not, it's not hard to get him turned he, on. Yeah, he he loves his Steelers. I think we were robbed this week by not being able to see the Vikings with Sam Bradford at full strength play against the Steelers. Um, so I don't what really, my, you know, my, it's. The jury is out for me as far as what I've seen out of them so far. They did not have that signature blowout victory in uh, week one against Cleveland that they should have had. Cleveland hung tough. They did not have a – now, 26-9 to nine on paper looks like a blowout, but that was a game that got out of hand very late. And as much as we were making fun of Case Keenum and that Minnesota Vikings offense, their defense was keeping them in the game. Their defense just couldn't do enough to overcome how awful their offense was. And then, yeah, going to Chicago this week, yeah, you might as well. 
chalk that one up. I mean, that's not going to be too tough of a test. I mean, you never know. A team could go and have a letdown or strange things could happen, but, you know, we don't, I don't anticipate that going completely off the rails. I haven't made my pick yet. I haven't seen the line, but you know, you're looking at their schedule. What I'm looking at are these games coming up. We're at Baltimore, at Kansas city, at Detroit, you know, they, they've got at home against Tennessee and green Bay and back-to-back weeks. They, they've got Baltimore, New England, used at Houston. There's that's where the test I think is going to lie. And that's where the test should lie for any team is in how you do against your stiffer competition when you want to be a top team. But I can't take anything away from the Steelers so far. These, these last two weeks haven't really put them through anything other than the motions. And you saw a lot of that out of them the first two weeks. We definitely saw that against Cleveland. They just kind of showed up and won, even though they let Cleveland hang around. And they let Minnesota hang around a lot, even though, like I said, it doesn't show up in the in the stats, but that is not a game that really got out of control until fairly late. No, it's a tough matchup when you talk about the Vikings defense, as, as Bryce said. So uh, the Steelers offense, to me, when it gets rolling, will make that a, a, an easier win than, than it was. That was a bit of a taffy pull. Uh, Le'Veon Bell had to sort of get going late as well. Um, and, and Ben Roethlisberger not hooking up the way he can with his guys. And Bryce put some of that on Todd Haley's play calling. I didn't see the whole, the whole game, so I can't judge it too much. But, yeah, they're not where they couldn't be yet. But the fact that they're 2-0 without being where they need to be, is I'd, I'd take that as a good sign for the Steelers. And I am on board with thinking they should go and, and roll up the Bears next week. But – at the yeah, same time, but, that kind of, that's kind of the type of game that the, the Steelers would drop uh, over the last few years where you think that they're just going to roll and, and steamroll somebody and they kind of trip up out over themselves a little bit. So I'm reserving my pick uh, until I sort of get a better feel for how beat up the Bears are. And, and uh, I, I'm, I'm reserving the right to actually maybe take the Bears with the points on that one because it should be a pretty big spread. So early contender here this year for me for name of the year. All right. Name of the year Name of the year. And I don't know how you actually pronounce it. So I'm just going to say it phonetically. <laughs> okay. But it definitely has to be young ho Koo. <laughs> I think now, that's, I know how, that's you not how you say it. But when your name is young ho, young ho. <laughs> man, you had to have somewhere you had to be made fun of when your name is Young Ho. Oh, sure. Yes. That sounds like the name of somebody that would fit yeah. perfectly for uh, uh, Chris Wong Wong, who uh, the, the Asian <laughs> member of the two yeah. live crew who just recently passed away. Sky point for Chris Wong Wong. Uh, if they just slip Young Ho in there and go back on tour, I think two live crew won't miss a beat. Yeah, but yeah, no, Young Ho Koo. That's a good one. Yeah, that, that's definitely, and you know, if he keeps missing game-winning field goals, uh, yeah. he might not be around for too long, so we might not have him all year to, to remember this by. He might be on tour with the two live crew because he needs a job, yeah. That's right. <laughs> oh, so so what, what, else jumped, what else jumped out at you? 
the Seahawks winning touchdown uh, to win the game. They could have lost the game. That's how bad they're blocking. Yeah. The winning, even the winning touchdown was yet another Russ Wilson hurry where he's running for his life that he happened to dance around and make a great play and get it to Paul Richardson for the touchdown. I'm really worried about the Seattle Seahawks right now. They are struggling badly on offense. Uh, they can't rely on playing uh, Brian Hoyer every week for their defense, and they need to get it together right now. They wound up, looks like switching their running back role yet again. They started the season with Eddie Lacy. You correctly picked that he wasn't going to amount to anything. No. Uh, this week, they, they welcomed back Thomas Rawls, and he wound up getting, I think, five carries. And now it looks like they're going to rely on this rookie Chris Carson they got to get that straightened out. They got to make up their mind who they want to carry the the rock as their lead back. And they uh, just like the, the the Packers, they really got to find a way to to block and protect their franchise player better than they have because Russell Wilson is he's running for his life and he's displaying the mobility that he displayed at the peak of his career a few years ago. So he's avoiding a lot of the big hits and he's making a lot of big plays with his legs. But if he keeps having to run for his life like this, it's it's RG3 all over again. It's great that you have the ability to make great plays and get out of stuff with your legs. But if you keep having to do that over and over again, eventually you're going to get popped and you're not going to get up. And next thing you know, you're going to be sitting on the sideline wondering what happened to your career. Yeah, I, I haven't liked anything that I've seen out, out of the Seattle Seahawks so far this year at all. That's now through two games. They've looked they've looked just brutal on offense. Now, you can't complain too much about their defense. They're, they're really not giving it up too bad. I mean, they didn't give up that many points to the Packers in Lambeau. They gave up virtually nothing to the 49ers, and still the offense barely scored enough. They could have lost that game quite easily. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm a little, I am worried for them. Now, what makes me a little less worried about them? That NFC West makes me a lot less worried <laughs> for them. That they might do what they've been doing for the last three or four years, which is they muddle their way through the early part of the season and they're four and three, five and four. And then they, you know, all they have to do is win four out of their last six to get to nine or ten, and easily win the NFC West. There's, there's no resistance in that division. Aren't you just thrilled and and happy beyond words that we get to talk about those two worst teams in the NFC West uh, for ninety seconds at the end of the show because they're going to play on Thursday night in front of everybody, in front of the whole world. That's your prime time Thursday night display for the NFL. You know, and through two weeks, we're still talking about this ratings decline. You know, these double-digit ratings declines in the NFL. I, I don't think this is going to get any better when you put up Rams 49ers. <laughs> Some shit games, boy. And you know what's coming uh, after that in two weeks? No. Oh, do we get Titans-Jags? Do we get every year? Not yet. I'm sure, oh, okay. sure that's coming. Uh, your 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 guys up there, the Cheeseheads, uh, hosting uh, the 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 Bears, the the wonderful Chicago week. Bears. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm going to be at that game. Oh, there you go, man on the scene. I, I am going to be yeah, man man on the spot. I am going to be at the uh, Bears Packers Thursday night game a week from Thursday. I said two weeks. I basically meant week and a half. 
Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, two weeks. No, what's that? I was like, no, what's after Packers Bears? <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant that uh, in in two uh, games, or or not the next game, but uh, the second game Thursday ah, yes. night uh, coming up. Two Thursdays from now. There you go. Uh, it, it's late. I'm I'm not yeah. putting words together correctly. Although uh, two two weeks from now, though, that Thursday night game is New England at Tampa, which is a sneaky good game. And finally, the first decent game on the calendar in how, however long. Yeah, because usually we get Titans, Jags, 49ers, Rams, you know, ugh, Jets, Bills. But usually we get something, at least one decent game by this point. Uh I know week two, week three is still early in the season, but to wait that long to get to uh, Patriots and Buccaneers, the first decent game of everything else before before that is complete crap. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Although, let's see. Uh I'm looking at the Thursday night schedule here. In week seven, we get KC-Oakland. Ah, there we go. That's a good game. In week eight, we get Miami and Baltimore. Uh, Week nine's a dog shit game. Let's see. Fast as my computer can go here. Oh, I think I just broke it. Uh, we oh. can we get Seattle and Arizona, which doesn't seem as as good as it used to be. Yeah. You know, well, Tennessee, Pittsburgh. It, there's some. There, there, there's some. There's some surprising strength. Uh, Minnesota, Detroit. Although like, that's Thanksgiving. <laughs> ah. So yeah, guy, that's not quite a uh, a Thursday night. That's it. No, that's in the morning. So there are some really good games in, mixed in between some really, really terrible ones. And we just have to – if we can just make it through these few terrible Thursday nights, there is actually a reason to watch coming up down the road. All right. So before Bright's call, you started extolling the virtues of the AFC West. Um can't help but be really impressed by what the Oakland Raiders have done the first two weeks. Can't help but be really impressed by the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And it's specifically with both teams to me, uh, about and, and the Broncos. Can't overlook the Broncos and Trevor Simeon, uh, who's game managing uh, like hell. I mean, he's game, he's game managing it up right now. Uh, so long as their running game stays hot, uh, they can go a long way. Uh, but Oakland and Kansas City, specifically, when I think about what they've done, it's about the players, about the personnel and the uh, the playmakers that they brought in. With the Chiefs, this is the second year in a row that they've added an explosive rookie playmaker because Kareem Hunt looks like he's got all the skills. He can break away. He can power at home. He can muscle through. He can run away where you can get, you got the speed. He's got whatever you need so far. Kareem Hunt is providing it. And when you add that to Tyreek Hill from last year, that's, uh, that's tough, man, to try to defend both of those guys. And with Andy Reid's play calling, you never know which angle they're coming from. You don't know uh, who's running uh, as a wide receiver, who's run, lining up in the backfield. They can switch off. They can do whatever you want to do. That's looking all of a sudden like a, a more dangerous offense than anybody would have possibly thought. Uh, and, on the Oakland Raiders side, here's the second week in a row that I have to give credit to somebody that I've got uh, through the years given a lot of crap to. Michael Crabtree, me- mediocre Michael Crabtree, uh, 
Mediocre. Mediocre Michael Crabtree has turned himself into a top 20 wide receiver. He's one of the top receivers in football, and I never would have thought that I would say that, but he's done it. He's put in work. He's making himself open. He's making all the catches. He's the possession receiver and the touchdown maker and whatever plays that the Raiders need right now, he's the one getting open. He's actually outplaying Amari Cooper through the first two games of the season, and I would have never thought that either. So a week after having to praise Sam Bradford, here I am praising Michael Crabtree, and I never would have thought I'm doing either one. But, yeah, all three of those teams looking very, very, very dangerous. Well, and that's what makes the Raiders so scary is everybody pays attention to Amari Cooper, and that makes Michael Crabtree open up. Now he's balling out, and so guess what? Now you got to start to pay a little bit more attention to Crabtree, and then, oh, wait, there's Amari Cooper. Yeah, I fa- hey, guys, remember me. That is going to be hmm. a very dangerous squad all year long if they can stay healthy. Um, so, you know, is it? I think it's the mix that's really helped Michael Crabtree. I don't know if Michael Crabtree just suddenly become great. I think he's in a perfect situation when he's opposite a true stud number one receiver He's got a good young quarterback throwing him the ball, and they're turning around and giving it to Marshawn Lidge, who's not playing great, but he's doing what that offense needs. He's getting the tough yards, and he's giving them a little bit of, you know, a little bit of physical and a little bit of, you know, nasty that you need when you have these big leads, and then all of a sudden you can turn it around and get to somebody to, to grind out the game. So I, I really like uh, what the Oakland Raiders are doing. I like what all three of those teams are doing. The, the surprising one to me is Denver because yeah. of Trevor Simeon. And they completely – we haven't talked about it. They dismantled the Cowboys. They made the Shut Cowboys – Shut down play. Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. They busted down the best offensive line in football and made it look like trash. Huh. That is not easy. That, that is not easy to do. And, uh, you know, and Dallas went on the road last year and performed quite admirably. They were not afraid of going on the road because they could run the ball pretty much down anybody's throat. And Denver had none of it. And and they manhandled the Cowboys on both sides of the football. You know, C.J. Anderson uh, looked like a man possessed. He looked like Ezekiel Elliott running for the Denver Broncos. And it was the he was the best running back on the field in that game. And, you know, the, the Broncos, the Raiders, and the Chiefs, oh, my, that, that is going to be fun to watch all year long because they are, you know, if you're looking at, like, top teams or power ranks, they got to be three out of the top five teams in football right now. And the fun part of this is is they all get to play each other a bunch. In the week to, uh, for, for me to pump myself up and put myself on a pedestal for 14-2, and two, I must also point out that one of us, one of the two hosts on the show, kept both the Raiders and the Chiefs out of the playoffs in their preseason prediction show. And right now, that looks really, 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 really dumb. <laughs> yeah. And that would be me who who did that. Yeah, yeah it does. I believe I had Denver out. Um, but either way, I didn't believe in what they were doing. And after watching that game against the Cowboys, I'm believing a little bit more. I we knew what Oakland and Kansas Hard City not to were going to believe. Gonna, yeah, now I didn't know that Kansas City was going to have the offense that they have. Let's let's not forget 
that uh, Kareem Hunt shouldn't be playing. He shouldn't be the starter. They were going to be rolling into the season with Spencer Ware, who mm-hmm. you know, who in a few weeks is going to become who? Oh yeah, <laughs> hey Spencer, how you doing? Have 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 a seat on the bench, son. We we really yeah. don't need you anymore. So. You know, that's just the way things happen. Next man up. And in this case, the next man up is lights out. And uh, I watched that a lot of that Chiefs-Eagles game, which was a very competitive game into the second half. And the Eagles were hanging around and hanging. But, man, the Chiefs, they just wore them out. I mean, it was just like watching surgery. That the, the Eagles, no matter how hard they tried, were just not able to keep it up the intensity on the road in Arrowhead the whole game long. And you just kept feeling like eventually the chiefs were just going to grind them out. And they, they sure did. Well, we'll see what happens with the chiefs going forward. I know that I liked the, uh, I liked them the first two games specifically because of what Andy Reid does with extra time to prepare for an opponent. he had, the Patriots as the opener. So we had all off season virtually to prepare for the Patriots. And then he got uh, the Eagles. It's his old team. So he's going to be extra motivated. And he got them on uh, the long week because of the Thursday night opener against new England. He got to have 10 days to prepare for the Eagles. So now they fall back into the normal week to week routine. And I'm going to be curious to see how they do going forward uh, with sort of normal preparation time, but so far so good through those first two weeks. Um, I wanted to take, uh, well, I don't know if we have time to even do that. Uh, there's a couple of uh, quarterbacks that I specifically pointed out last week, picking the games that I didn't have confidence in because I didn't know if they were back from injury all the way. I didn't know if they were really uh, 100% healthy, even though they're out there starting and, and taking the football, unlike Andrew Luck, who is not starting and not taking the football. But these guys are playing and they're, they didn't play so well in week one. And I have observations about one of them in week two. I didn't get to see much of the one of one uh, this week, but, uh, but the other one, I got to see a lot of his highlights and I have definitely have some thoughts on uh, where he's going and what he looks like. I'll get to that in the after show because now we have to make time to talk about the Rams and the 49ers. Yeah. Undoubtedly, two of the worst teams in football. Rams four and twelve last year. San Francisco two and fourteen. Uh, the Rams looked great in Week One, but not so much this past week, losing to the Redskins. Forty ers of course, they they definitely competed in San Francisco. I, I guess you give them that. Uh, the public likes that Rams defense. Not a surprise. Uh, L.A. on the road on the short week. Uh, they are two-point favorites at San Francisco. Jason, who you got? Yeah, on the short week, I'm going to go with the team that's playing better defense and can run the ball. And believe it or not, that's the San Francisco 49ers at home. I'm taking those 49ers and Carlos Hyde to run it all over that Rams defense. Giving up 152 Ooh. yards a game in their first two games. On the ground. A little bit of a swerve there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Bet you didn't think I was going to go there. No, no, I didn't. Uh, when you talk about better defense, you would think you're talking about the Rams, especially based on that first game against the Colts. Uh, the second game was not against the Colts, and they fared much worse. This game is against the 49ers, who I think are kind of Colt-like, so uh, struggling on offense very much. 
I'm going to take the Rams on the short week. I have so little confidence in them that my prediction is the Rams by three instead of by two. I have them winning 10 to seven in a game that nobody would possibly. But guess what? 10 to seven would be a winner for me. So uh, hopefully it will go that way on my behalf. More on our after show when we come back. Now into our VIP after show program. Always fun to be joined by Bryce. I'm glad to see that we seem to have a, a fan, a, a, a solid, loyal fan that actually enjoys our show. Yeah, but uh, no, that's always good. You know, that, that, and he, he definitely does not lack for the enthusiasm, especially when it comes to talking about his Pittsburgh Steelers. But uh, to break that down a little bit, I, I hate to say it's week three, and I actually looked at the stats on this game because I had no clue. I, I didn't care. I'm probably not going to watch the game, but the Rams are giving up a lot on the ground. And uh, Carlos Hyde's getting, he, he's running the ball at a seven yards per attempt clip right now. Yeah. He got off uh, in Seattle. Yeah. He, was, he so, was the man. So I have a feeling that this is going to be uh, Kyle Shanahan is going to be feeding Carlos Hyde the ball against a Rams defense that so far has been giving it up on the ground, and I I wouldn't be shocked if we see a high single digits, low double digits type scoring game. And if that's going to be the case, I mean, this could be this pick really either way. I mean, wow! I just need a win. I, I feel compelled probably to watch the game just because we're against each other again. So I I have a rooting yeah. interest in it. The we had the same we've pitch, broke this down asleep. a little bit too. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, and so yeah, my breakdown would be I I I guess I think when when I think of Brian Hoyer going for what ninety nine yards or something stupid yeah. like that, I, I I guess I got a confidence that the Rams are gonna know that Carlos Hyde is coming for him and they're just gonna load up and try to stop him and, and not respect Brian Hoyer at all and kind of dare him to beat them. And so that's why I'm gonna go ahead and take the Rams. Okay. Well, here we go. Rams 49ers breakdown. Yeah, I guess this game just got a little bit more interesting. Damn it. (laughs) Just a little. Not a lot, just a little. You know, well, I'll be at work. You know, the the game kicks off at 720, 730. So I'll be at work to at least watch the whole first quarter. And that's probably all I'll watch, just because it's on (laughs) TV. It would be hilarious if they just put on an, an offensive explosion and it's like 21-21 at the half or something. I would it, laugh you know, out it, loud. It, it could happen, which <laughs> I guess is one of the reasons why you watch. But you and I have probably managed to make this game sound way more interesting <laughs> than it really is going to be. I didn't mention Todd Gurley. He looks like he might be back. The Rams might have some, some offensive firepower. Todd Gurley against the Niners, uh, terrible run defense. It's something else to watch. I'm just breaking it all down now. Yeah, we, we could see a lot of running, I'm guessing, is, is the <laughs> theme of this game. Yes. Although Todd Gurley uh, has put the ball on the ground three times already yeah. this year. Yeah, that's the and part that worries like, me. He's, and he is only he's uh, he is averaging, he is averaging less than four yards a carry. 
he's running harder than last yeah. year. Last year he was like getting the ball, getting hit by the first guy, just dropping. So he's running harder, but he's also not running as securely as he needs to. Yeah. So that, that's something to worry about, but I'm just encouraged by the fact that he's running harder because I didn't know what was going on last year. He looked like he was ready to quit football. That's how light he was running. <laughs> now where I have noticed an improvement in Todd Gurley is in the passing game. And I've seen yeah. him on a lot more in the route tree and catching out of the backfield uh, than I've been impressed with his running. So I've, when I've been watching what limited Rams football I've seen, where I've noticed him making plays is in the passing game. Yeah, he's making himself available. Uh, and, and Jared Goff is doing the old check down thing and finding a lot of time girly. So, uh, hey, Goff is playing better than I thought he would. There's another uh, – sort of the key a, a factor to the game. I'm, I'm like Jaworski now. I'm breaking down all the keys to the game. Yeah. Well, before we start to throw up in our mouths, <laughs> after seven minutes of talking about this game, we should probably move on to something else. And I've got a sense you want to talk about Cam Newton. Cam doesn't look right at all. Uh, no. The, the other yeah, the two you. quarterbacks fuck that me. are what, – what were you saying? I say fucked me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, shitty play. They get down to the one-yard line, and all they need is a touchdown to cover that seven. And yeah. It, it, uh, all right. Completely airmails uh, Christian McCaffrey. And, and uh, that was, yeah. I mean, wide open. You could not some have had color-like mechanics he had there. Uh, hey, your boy Jay Cutler, first place. Hey, how about it? But, uh, yeah, uh, the two quarterbacks that, of course, uh, had off-season health issues and, and, are, and are playing are Joe Flacco and Cam Newton. I haven't seen yeah. much of Joe Flacco. I'm not going to pretend like I can uh, assess anything that he's doing. But just just stats-wise, just pure numbers-wise, uh, Flacco looked like he was playing better football this past game uh, that Baltimore won over the Cleveland Browns and covered the number one of my two losses this week. So, just by the numbers, he looks decent. Cam, I got to watch some extended highlights of his uh, game that the Panthers uh, almost lost to the Buffalo Bills, and, and Buffalo covered that spread for me. Um, and, and I specifically said, I, I got to go with the Bills plus seven because I don't trust Cam right now. I don't trust what, you know, I don't know if he's healthy. I don't know what's going on with him. And watching his highlights, wow. His throwing motion looks so weird. It's It's all... It's like all effort, like all arm and all effort. Like he's trying to throw everything as hard as he possibly can to make up for a lack of some strength somewhere, like say a shoulder that was operated on in the, in the summer. Just for example. Um, yeah, it doesn't look like he's, he's healthy at all. His mechanics, uh, like I said, are completely out of whack. He was uh, specifically on that Christian McCaffrey play where he – drops back, takes a three-step drop, uh, stands there for half a second and decides he needs to start uh, backpedaling uh, to avoid any kind of pass rush that wasn't really there. He had a pocket. He just decided that he needed to roll back and then saw McCaffrey flare wide open and airmails him because he's rolling and dropping backwards as he throws the ball. So, of course, the ball sails and takes off on him. It's a Jay Cutler special where you throw while running backwards and – uh, just try to rely completely on arm talent, except 
Cam Newton doesn't have arm talent right now. He looks like he's trying to throw everything too hard. He looks like he's overcompensating. Uh, he's never had great fundamentals, and that's the thing. When you try to overcompensate for whatever injury by winding up and throwing as hard as you can, and you don't really have – and I understand he's the number one overall draft pick. He was great at Auburn. He's been great at times in the NFL. He's a former MVP. He had one of the great seasons that you'll ever see a couple of years ago uh, when he got the Panthers to the Super Bowl. Even with all of that, he's never had great quarterbacking fundamentals. And now with this injury, it, it, it really does to me look like he's still not 100%. I'm not sure he's still hurt necessarily, but you know how it is with uh, arm and shoulder injuries. It's not that you're still hurt. It's that you're still working your way back to where you need to be. Your muscles still aren't where they were before the, the surgery, before the injury. And Cam looks like he's working those kinks out on the field instead of being able to work them out off the field in the offseason because these uh, surgeries took place too close to the start of the season. And instead of doing the Andrew Luck thing and just not playing until you're ready to, until you're actually ready to go, it looks like Cam Newton is trying to sort of gut through it and be a man and play through it and, and be there for his team. And as a result, it's it's not really going well because he doesn't look like he's helping his team very much. He looks like he's actually hurting his team. And they got away with it in, on Sunday and were able to get a win because his opponent, Tyrod Taylor, doesn't exactly have great quarterbacking mechanics either and, and didn't play much better. But uh, I'm very worried for Cam Newton. I, I did not like what I saw out of him at all. Uh, in these extended highlights that I saw. And I, I'm not looking at the schedule for the Panthers right now. I don't know who they're playing next, but uh, unless it's one of the true bottom feeders of the league, like the the two of them are playing Thursday night, so he can't play either one of them, uh, unless it's like the Colts or somebody like that, um, I don't know if I can trust Cam Newton and the Panthers uh, anytime in the near future right now because he doesn't look like he's ready to contribute in any meaningful way at this point. Well, there's some good news for you because the Panthers this week play the Saints. It might oh. he might he might not need to mm. to be his best for them to do things to the Saints. And their defense has played okay. But mm-hmm. after they play the Saints this week, they have a three game stretch against New England, Detroit, and Philadelphia. It's gonna get considerably Dang. more difficult. Yeah. I mean New England's got a crappy defense but they're going to put points on you and at Detroit uh, isn't going to be, he does look Detroit's looking better and Philadelphia does play good defense and there's tough at home. And that's where they have to go is on the road to Philadelphia. So maybe Cam Newton gets a pass this week. It's so the jury might still be out just because the saints are so terrible. But after this, it's going to get considerably harder for him. Yes, it will. Now that coming up against New Orleans, that's tough. I don't know which way I'm going to go on that one. Those other three, yeah. if Cam is still looking like he's been looking, I know exactly where I'm going on those other three games. Yeah, especially if it keeps going the way it's been. I watched, I watched uh, some pieces of that game, and you know, I'm with you. He doesn't. He just doesn't look right. It's it's kind of sad to see him out there clearly play excuse me playing through some kind of an injury or coming back from it but mechanically he's just not there right now it's it's not pretty watching him try to do things that you've gotten so used to him doing with with such ease and now it just looks difficult 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, my guy, uh, Jay Cutler, uh, if the Dolphins get that win in their opener over the, uh, over the Chargers because of young ho blowing that field goal. What, what is the deal with the Chargers losing close games by bad place kicking? It's just, it's, it's their tradition now. It's what they do. Um, whether it's young Hoku or, or anybody else, but yeah, the Chargers led that game 17 to 10 in the fourth quarter yeah. and still managed to, to lose. But yeah, I thought Cutler was, uh, I thought Chicago had a, a total bomb at quarterback who couldn't play. Uh, and if they do, they do now, it's not Cutler, <laughs> it's, it's Mike Glennon, but I thought Cutler was supposed to be the bomb, but no, he, he, he looked okay. He didn't, he didn't look like a guy that needs to be retired. Actually. He looked like he, he can still play a little bit. And again, you're watching somebody that was playing in basically his first game with this team and somehow manages to guide them to victory. Now it helps that you're turning around and giving the ball to Joe Ajayi or Jay Ajayi who ends up with you know, 122 yards on the day. And that's going to take a lot of the pressure off of Jay Cutler having a solid number one running back and a good offensive line and a good defense. He just needs to be good. He doesn't need to be great. He doesn't have to carry the weight of the team on his shoulders like I think he felt like he had to do in Chicago and got that team into positions to go to a Super Bowl and to win a division, and both of them ended up not working out. You can't necessarily say that either one of those were his fault. I do believe that he had the Bears in the playoffs. They were beating the Packers until the Packers – decided to run Randall Cobb behind the entire Bears secondary on a classic cover zero. That had nothing to do with Jay Cutler. Chris can't. Yeah, and uh, neither one of us do hold anything against Jay Cutler for getting hurt in the NFC Championship game. Well, we don't. Maurice Jones-Drew might, but but we don't. Although he was walking around at the mall with his girlfriend. I saw him. He was going upstairs. Um, you say that color doesn't have to be great. And this is where, you know, I, I almost feel obligated when I give any credit to Cutler to make sure that I let all the color haters know, Hey, I, I understand you say color doesn't have to be great. I admit it. He can't be great. Cutler ne- cannot be a great quarterback. He's not uh, consistent enough. He will make the soul crushing interception. He will make the bad mistake. He can't be great, but he doesn't have to be, as you said. And I think he knows that. I think this is even in a, in a personality growth of, of Jay Cutler to know in this situation that he doesn't have to be the savior. There was so much pressure on him in Chicago to be the man after they make the trade and, and, and acquire him. It was the biggest deal in, in Bears trade history just about to get Jay Cutler. It was monstrous, and he had to have felt that. And did that play a part in uh, some of the mistakes that he made? He was trying to do too much, perhaps, maybe. But you can't deny it's in his DNA to make bad plays every now and then. He's just not capable of being uh, an all-world, all-pro, all-the-time, mistake-free quarterback. But in this situation with a better offensive line, as you said, and a steady uh, running back behind him, uh, who knows? Just just be a guy. Just be the guy to facilitate things. Just sort of sort of game manage in a way, uh, and, and maybe pull out that huge arm, you know, two or three times a game if you uh, feel like you need it, instead of having to try to do it every single play like he tried to do in Chicago. 
And, yeah, the Dolphins could have a, a successful season. Yeah, and I actually I, I picked them to make the playoffs, so I, I don't think mm-hmm. that it's going to be this sort of automatic problem for them with Jay Cutler. I don't think either one of us were down on him at all. I mean, I hate to say it because we always have to say it. We are not Jay Cutler apologists. We are also not just rampant, raging Bears fans who just wanted to hate him for every possible thing that he did because we know that the favorite quarterback of any Bears fan is the backup. And that's what they're going to find right now. They're already clamoring for Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky will get his two or three weeks, and then whoever his backup is, will become the new favorite quarterback. I mean, I remember when they were clamoring for David Fales, for Christ's sake. Caleb Haney. Yeah. They thought he should start over Jay Culler. Caleb Haney. So this is is a psychotic problem (laughs) in the city of Chicago that you always want the backup. Um, I, I don't, I'm not sitting here in Wisconsin with a bunch of Packer fans who just watched the Packers lose. They're not all screaming for Brett Hundley. They're not? No. This is a town, This is a state that has quarterback stability going back to 25 years, and they've basically had two starting quarterbacks in the last 25 years. If you really break it down, and it's, it's Favre and Rodgers. That's it for the last 25 years. And Mikowski for a few years before Favre, so it wasn't like they were cycling yeah. guys every year before that. Right. And, you know, Magic Man, boy, he had a five- or six-year run before right. before uh, he got hurt and Favre came in. So you look at the stability now, we're talking a 30-year stretch. I mean, if you could take any team and say that in the last 30 years they've had three number one starting quarterbacks, uh, th- there isn't another team that has that. The Bears sometimes have that in – a uh, six-week stretch. <laughs> it's it's sad. It really is. And this whole right. thing. And, and yes, uh, I, and, I, oh my god. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what though. That Tampa Bay squad is for real. Uh, that yes, that's fine. They were they were very good. The defense was was very good, especially Sunday. What the fuck were some of those throws that Glennon was making? That uh, I don't care how good the defense was. Some of those throws are just like, what are you doing? What I like, you know, I actually liked the fumble more. <laughs> I actually liked the one where it looked like he's playing hot potato with the ball and just kind of gives it to the defensive player. You know, you did see the play I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's just kind of standing me. there, and all of a sudden the ball looks like it's you know blazing hot like the sun. It's like ooh, ooh, hot, 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 and he just starts popping the ball up. Like, what, what are you doing? Yeah. It reminded me a I lot of them. I think that's two weeks in a row. That's yeah. two weeks in a row for the Bears. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Glennon and your Chicago Bears. That's exactly what they remind me of, unfortunately. That's, that, that guy is – and I knew he was shit before, he, oh, before they even signed him. Good grief. But think about that. Two weeks in a row now, the Bears have gotten the Benny Hill music. They've earned it. Yeah. They haven't even put they haven't put Buck Fumble in yet. They're really get it when he gets in there and starts fucking around. Didn't they cut him? I thought they cut him. I don't remember. I am pretty I certain that even the even the Bears were smart enough to cut Butt Fumble. 
I don't, the only reason I find that hard to believe is because I, I didn't think old veteran John Fox, old crusty coaching veteran, would want to go through a season with only two quarterbacks. But oh no, uh, I he is on the team. Oh no, yeah, I, I, I didn't think uh, John Fox would I, ever. I swore I saw that they had cut him. No, that, that's a veteran. Oh. You can't cut a veteran. Come on. Hey, he's been to two AFC title games. <laughs> In his first two years, he he must be great. Oh. <clears throat> yeah, I remember all of those arguments too. I, yeah. Well, also, uh, who do you who do you want starting for you if you're the Bears, Glennon or French or 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 Bud Fumble? You, you know, at this shot. point, at this point, <laughs> does it matter if you're the Bears? No. I mean, are you are they just are you in tank mode anyways? To get another high draft pick, you might as well. I mean, Trubisky's going to need a target, right? Yeah, I. Well, it's not I, I guess be you're going to have to. I was just about to say you're going to have to get another high draft pick to draft another wide receiver because the one that you drafted three years ago apparently is never going to play. Yeah, for for the Bears being such a piece of shit team, have you looked at their schedule coming up? Oh, is it brutal? Okay, here we go. Steelers, Packers, Vikings, Ravens, hmm. Panthers, Saints. At the Saints, by the way. Uh-oh. They get the bye week. They come out of the bye week, Packers, Lions, Eagles, and then they get the, the – then, the, then at the very end, they get some easy ones. They've got the Niners, the Bengals, and the Browns in three out of their last five games. That is for a team that won three games last year. How do you end up with that schedule? First of all, it doesn't help that they drew the NFC South. No. So starting off against the Falcons and the Bucks, I mean, two teams, one one that just won the Super Bowl, and then another one that I, I think is good enough to win the division. Um, and you know, they did what you expected them to do. They lost both of those games, and then, but the, I mean, come on now, Steelers, Packers. Vikings, Ravens. We could be looking at 0-6 for your Chicago Bears. I was about to say, by the time they get to that part that you said is easy, they might be 1-12. Yeah. They they could be playing for a extremely high draft pick. Why would you even bother putting Trubisky in? Unless this, this is just the last gasp of John Fox trying to save his job. Well, I'm under the uh, – uh, I've been saying that John Fox is not going to save his job. He's going to get fired. There's nothing he can do about that. Okay. So no, They're going to win three I, games again. Yeah. It, it, it so what I, I think is going to happen is the, the Ryan Pace is eventually going to come down and pretty much tell John Fox, look, look, put the kid in. This is bullshit. But this is ridiculous. I drafted him. I traded up to get him. I traded a, a ridiculous ransom to move up one fucking spot to get the kid. Play the kid. Just play the kid and see what he's got and, and get let him get that experience and hopefully he doesn't get hurt. Uh, but, you know, which of course is totally possible behind that offensive line. But uh, this is the Mike Glennon thing is, is over. I mean, I, I, it might be a Ryan Pace call to keep playing Glennon at this point because he's the one that gave Glennon all that money. But, He's also the yeah. same guy that traded up to get Trubisky. So I, it's sort of competing uh, elements there. Uh, but if you, but here's the thing: if you leave it up to Foxy, he's Mr. Crusty, old school football coach, like I just said. He's going to keep the, the veteran in there 
until week 16 and week 17, even though the veteran completely blows. So we know what's going to happen if it's up to Foxy. He's not playing the kid at all. So I think there's going to have to be Ryan Pace going in there and sort of making the decision for him. Yeah, let's just hope. I, I, we got to figure this out for these teams in the NFL, giving marginal quarterbacks these massive contracts now. we got Osweiler, and now we've oh, got don't, Glennon. Don't mention Brock Osweiler, please. How, but how hurts. do you separate the two now? How do you separate the two at this point? Well, how much, I, I remember the number of $72 million for Osweiler. Yeah. I don't know how much Glennon got, but it was, it was a lot, I know. But it, I don't think he it was 72 got, way too much <laughs> yes <laughs> that is true <laughs> whatever yes. it was was way too much <laughs> way too much so, uh, I, i'm gonna look it up here mike glennon why do i want to why does 48 jump out in my mind i think they gave him 48 mike glennon is indeed contract. way too much <laughs> mike okay when you start typing in mike glennon contract and it starts and it puts in mike glennon contracts gonorrhea what? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, we're not trying to make him contract gonorrhea. We just want to read about Whoa. his contract. <laughs> Holy crap! And well, he's he making. Uh, well, well, whatever we need to know is he's a, he's making eight million this year to do that. Right. Eight million dollars, yeah. more money than either one of us are going to make in our lives combined. That's for sure. Mike Glennon is doing to to do that. And no, he's going to end up with a three year, forty five million dollar deal, but only eighteen and a half of it's guaranteed. So eighteen and a half is guaranteed. And it forty something, forty five, forty. I knew it was something like that, yeah. but it's not seventy two like Oswald. My God. So it was reported that his deal is basically a one year, sixteen million dollar guaranteed deal with team options for twenty. So they could. So clearly, this is not Osweiler territory. They're not going to have to trade him and draft picks to the Cleveland Browns just no, to get rid of him. So they gave him a three. Yeah, this is basically a one-year contract because there's no way the Bears are exercising this option. No, they'll X him out next year, yeah. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they just decline it now just just to get it out there. <laughs> Mike, we just want to let you know that we're going to announce that we're declining your app. But wait, we're only in week three. Yes, we know. Don't worry, Mike. <laughs> we're just going to be putting it out there. We don't want you to be mad. We're we're not picking up your contract option. Go spend the millions that you've already somehow earned from for no good reason for, for nothing but is, hype. Earned is a very strong word. Air quotes earned. Earned. Yes, thank you. I couldn't see. We're on radio, so I couldn't see the air quotes there. You didn't see me, my fingers in the air for the air quotes. Based on so much hype about what little people had seen out of him in those years in Tampa, I still don't understand that. I mean, we, you and I both watched the games that he started in Tampa, including one on primetime. He wasn't very good. Yeah. No, he was terrible. He may have shown a flash or two, but you remember me talking about how I couldn't believe all the hype he was getting and – just how disgusted I was that he was getting such hype. And this was two years ago or three years ago. Yeah. And now he comes up as a free agent and people start falling all over, all over themselves to sign him as a, as a free agent quarterback uh, to answer your question as to what is going on with these overpaid free agent quarterback. I guess my opinion is that it's, it's, I I think it's simply a hole in the, 
uh, in the years that, that right now there's a there's a dearth of top quality quarterback prospects because when we go back a couple of years ago when we were kind of surprised uh, or I, I shouldn't speak for you I was very surprised that teams were moving up uh, to draft Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota one and two I didn't think they were all that good not that I watch college football every Saturday but nothing could have prepared me for the shock of teams jumping over themselves and tripping over their own dicks to get in position to draft Jarrett Goff and Carson Wentz one and two. And I think it's just that the talent level at quarterback right now is not all that good or hasn't been all that good. And it creates openings for mediocre. There's that word again, mediocre free agent quarterbacks to fill in where on teams that would have already had a good quarterback as a draft pick. And hopefully Mitch Trubisky doesn't fall into that category of way overdrafted because there wasn't anything else at the position. Um, There's no way I can tell just from his limited play, whether he's going to be any good or not. So hopefully he doesn't fall into that category. And, and frankly, it's too early on golf and wins as well right now. But I really, that's, that's my guess as to what's going on is that you got these kids that are playing now that apparently are going to be drafted very high uh, in next year's drafts with Sam Darnold and, and the, the Rosen kid at UCLA, Josh Rosen. Those guys appear to be like legit quarterback prospects, not Andrew Luck can't miss, but like maybe a level below that, like really, really highly thought of. And you just haven't had those guys in the last few years, not basically not since Winston and Mariota, I guess. Um, so I, I think it's just people are just so hard up to find good quarterbacks because they're not coming out in the draft uh, the way they have in the past. Yeah, and even even those years. Yeah, when we talked we talked about the year when we had uh, Winston and Mariota, like oh that seems like a, a bit of a stretch. No, you know, but those guys are turning into good pros. And then we had the year with Goff and Wentz, and we knew that that was a stretch. There was absolutely yeah. everything. I mean, we saw teams stretching for some, like, you know, uh, Johnny uh, Johnny Football, you know. And all. Oh, my God. Yeah. And these guys. I forgot about him already. <laughs> the Bears this year with uh, Trubisky, you know, we've seen teams jumping up, you know, Watson. Um, they The Texans shot up and got him, and they got him a lot higher than people expected them to go. So it would be nice to she see. Shot up and got you Pat Mahomes kid. Yeah, it would be nice to see some legitimate, real first-round passing arms and quarterbacks coming out of uh, college because it, it would definitely be a little bit nicer for these teams to see that. But, yeah, this this Mike Lennon thing. This isn't like this is the NBA and, and, and you're the Minnesota Timberwolves or some piece of shit team, but you still got to give a, a max deal to somebody just – for the sake of doing it, because you got to spend all your money. This feels like that kind of a contract. It's like, what are the? This isn't the NBA. Someone's got to break in and tell the Bears that they don't have to just throw money around stupidly. But the, it's so funny. It almost seems like it's okay what they did for Glennon. As much as I hate Glennon, when you think yeah. about Osweiler getting seventy-two last year, it makes yeah. this look like, oh, okay, that's fine. Yeah, I understand and, that. It, it almost makes it as, look like you can respect it almost and as a one-year 
deal because, like we said, there's no way in hell they're picking up either one of those options after this year. He's he's going to be gone, or they could decline the option and then re-sign him to be the backup at a much more team-friendly deal because he's probably he's not going somewhere and starting. Have you? He's just got to realize this is what his career is going to be. He's going to be a backup quarterback, and there's nothing wrong with that. You're going to make a lot of money. You're set for life holding a clipboard. There's a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of guys who've made a lot of money holding clipboards for their career, and there's no shame in that. And that's where Mike Glennon's going to have to realize that he's going to be probably for the rest of his his pro career. You know, this is he's he's not going to be. Uh, this the Jimmy Garoppolo type, you know, where where everybody's, you know, waiting for him to to go on the market, or somebody's gonna be throwing a first round pick at the Patriots, or the Patriots uh, smartly, I think, are just holding on to him, um, because we, you know, Bra- Brady does keep amazing at what he's doing at it for his age, but when you're 40 and you're missing the timing in your offense, all it takes is one one wrong hit, and uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo could step right in there. So, it, Mike Lennon. Come after me! Yeah. I'm a man! I'm 40! I can say that because I'm 41. So are you. That's right. And Tom we're Brady's not, a we're man. Not making, we're, yeah, that's right. We're older than him. <laughs> Expect your elders, Brady. That's right. So, it, yeah, it bugs me. But like you said, there's just there isn't that talent at that position. And we're seeing a lot of that in the awfulness of the quality of football overall. And I, and a lot of that, you know, it's O-line play, it's bad defenses, but I think a lot of it is overmatched, overpaid, underperforming quarterbacks. Hey, that sounds like Blake Bortles. Um, yeah, Cause we, uh, we were bringing up Mariota as the one game that I hadn't brought up and talked about at all. Uh, nice late comeback. Uh, by the by, the Titans not not comeback. I think they were maybe leading by a point at halftime, but a late third quarter surge where they just kind of took over on the Jaguars. And uh, when you get a lead of any kind, basically on the Jaguars, that leaves it up to Blake Bortles to lead him back with his arm. That ain't yeah. happening. <laughs> that ain't happening at all. And they did they did what you have to do against the Jaguars, of course, which is hold Leonard Fournette and, and make him you know, make him beat you and and the Jaguars want to have him beat you, but the Titans didn't let him beat them. They contained Fournette and they may try to make Blake Bortles beat him. And that absolutely cannot happen because Blake Bortles is terrible. So good job out of the Titans. Yeah. And it just Titans turned right back around into being what we thought they would be. They are who we thought they were. Exactly. And that leaves them at one and one. They played a team that's better than them and more prepared in Oakland, and they yep. lost. And they played a team that's not as good at, as them at the moment in Jacksonville, and they beat them. So curious, yeah, right uh, curious, was. curious matchup for the Titans this week hosting the Seahawks. That is curious. Uh, the Titans can get after your quarterback, and so Russell Wilson may be on the run again, and that may yep. tell the whole story of the game. Yeah, and the 49ers proved that you can run on the Seahawks. And that I'll tell you, Derrick Henry's a bad man. Oh, man. He's a bitch. He's a bitch. <laughs> he's a – I mean, DeMarco Murray, he, he's he, – that's great. He, he'll run you between the 20s all day long. But if I'm in the red zone, I am just going to give Derrick Henry the ball all day long. 
and the Titans did were were set up perfectly by taking that lead late, uh, where they could take the older DeMarco Murray and put him to the side and say, you know what, rest up for next week. Got a big game against Seattle. You know, well, you, you can you can take it easy over there on the sideline. We're gonna put this kid Henry in, let him sledgehammer for the rest of the game, and that's exactly what Henry did. So that's a beautiful one-two that they got with the sort of old and new, and they can let the old guy rest when they get a lead and let the new guy take over. But uh, you know, next week against Seattle, it's gonna be veteran on veteran. They're gonna have the the guys with the experience out there. So I'm expecting Murray to get back out there and and get the bulk of the carries, and it should be a very good matchup. Yeah, good for the Titans. And again, that's where, you know, the, the week one illusion of the Jaguars and all that defense and all those sacks and everything that they did and looked great with, the Titans are the better team. And I think that that bore itself out. You had any other uh, observations from week two? Oh, man, I'm I'm toast. I'll tell you that, you know. <laughs> Been, it's it's it, it it was a rough week. I mean, I had you know shitty picks. Oh, that those, those games. Um, unless you had something major, I'm 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 good. I'm just kind of marveling at it. Uh, if I don't take a rookie quarterback going to Baltimore and playing that defense, uh, and if I don't take the struggling uh, Arizona Cardinals offense uh, against Indianapolis. I, that could have been a perfect week. That really wasn't that far off. I, I'm still amazed at how it all came together. And yet, you know my personality very well. Uh, very scared to death as to what week three is going to bring. Might be a, a come up. It's actually, that reminds me um, that you asked last week about our history of week twos because you were speculating that we might not be all that good in week two because whatever happens in week one makes us think, yeah, we know everything. We got yeah. it all together. And then we wind up screwing up in week two and actually did the work. I did go back uh, as far as my, my records here, which is all the way back to 2011. And I looked at all of our week twos and it, it's a mixed bag. There's some, some good and some bad in there, but the the one that jumps out at a, uh, that jumped out at me is that you, I'm sure don't remember this, but in 2011 uh, in week two, you put up, here I am with my 14 and two. I'm pretty sure that's the best week I ever put up in 2011. You put up in week two, what might be the worst week that you've ever put up. You had a two 12 and two in week two of of 2011. It was awful. And, but but that's not representative of week twos because the other ones are up and down. That's, that's actually the only two, uh, only two other week twos you had a losing record in the last six years. The other okay. three were were all were all winning records. Was that the first year of the block? Uh it might, it might have been a second year. Um, okay. I think yeah, I think 2010 was the first year of the blog, but I don't have those I don't have those records on me, so I didn't go and, and look that up. Uh, but the, it's, it should be on the results page of, of whatever 2010 week two uh, results right up that we were doing at the time. Yeah. But, but 2011, I had that spreadsheet right here uh, available for me. So I was able to look at that really easily. So yeah, I went eight, six and two and you went two twelve and two. It was, it was quite the week. Yeah. That that's bad, but that's, you know, so yeah, great. 
you know, you go 14 and 14 and two, and that is mind blowing. That is up there with the best weeks either one of us have ever had against the spread. I mean, that's, that's rare air, but I still was seven and nine. I can't feel that bad. Sure. Now, I don't like the fact that I'm spotting you seven games, but it's not like either one of us have never spotted the other one a bunch of games before. Like, oh, it's over. No, it's 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 far from yeah. over. <laughs> it's far yeah, from over. Fifteen more weeks to make up uh, those seven games. That's that's not right difficult. because now you get to be cocky. Now you get to start playing with the lead. <laughs> now you get to start picking stupid. <laughs> and like I said, I'm very worried about week three already. No, no pressure. Uh, no pressure. So you good for Saturday night for their picks? Yes, I was for a while. I thought I was not going to be. I thought we were going to be out of town, but we're uh, doing some stuff on Sunday and we're just driving there on Sunday. So I thought we were going to be going on Saturday night uh, to get a head start, but we're not doing it. So I will be ready to go 9 p.m. Saturday night. There you have it. He's Jay. I'm Dre. This has been in much less detail, the podcast. Thank you for listening and come back for our week three picks Saturday night. Thank you.